we turn to John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. Continuing in the series of last things called eschatology. We come to the beginning of the end, what we might say for the believer is the beginning of eternity, heaven. And for the unbeliever, the subject of hell cannot be avoided. This morning we look at the subject of heaven, and I may give this theme a couple of weeks or another week after the subject of hell. And if you could think of a passage in the Bible on heaven, you'd find quite a few, couldn't you? You might turn to Revelation chapters 20 and 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We could look at just simply the kingdom of heaven series or a, a thought there. But I'm thinking of the heaven now and not so much of the heaven in the, in the future. Where would a believer go right now? And so the new heavens and the new earth, the last two chapters of the Bible speak of after the resurrection and after the judgment day. But I'm focusing on heaven as it exists today. And uh, we're looking in John chapter 14. Perhaps this is at least one of the famous passages on heaven. And unfortunately, that this passage seems to get uh, a viewing at funerals only, but we're not in a funeral right now. We are together worshiping the Lord on this Sabbath morning. I'd like us to to focus on John chapter 14. I have used this passage at funerals before. For believers, this is a wonderful passage. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, and you can sense the anguish, can't you? You can sense the, the, dis, the disturbed heart. Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, <clears throat> interestingly, isn't it? He doesn't say it's straight north, or it's just the blink of an eye away. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What a precious passage this is. On heaven. Heaven <clears throat> is spoken more by Jesus than hell. Oh, he spoke more on hell than anyone else. But he also spoke more about heaven than anyone else. 
I know it sounds good to say that Jesus spoke more on hell than heaven, but that's simply not true. All you have to do is go to a concordance and see heaven having several columns and Hades just having one column. It's not diminishing the horror of hell at all. But the fact that Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else shows us the reality of it and the horror of it. But for God's people, and to draw those that are not yet God's people, He spoke often about heaven. And it's interesting that He speaks about heaven, and we believe this is a passage about heaven, even though the word heaven is not mentioned in this famous passage on heaven. He spoke about it in the context of Him leaving soon. And you can imagine how turbulent their hearts became because they had sacrificed everything. They had uh, left behind their life, as it were, burned bridges behind them. They had given everything for the Lord, and now He was telling them He was leaving. And to them it was, is this going to be an eternal separation? Are we ever going to see you again? They were scared. They were they were troubled heaven is a present thing Jesus wanted to assure them oh there will be a new heaven and a new earth and he spoke about that in the regeneration and through John but this is a passage about Jesus comforting his his saints his servants in every generation about the truth of heaven So the message this morning is simply heaven. That word is is precious to believers. And so often it's it's used in such a trite way, isn't it? The name of a store, heaven's treasures or something like that. But this word should be reserved for the place where God dwells with His people as He graduates them from earth to heaven. And the first thought is heaven's absence. For it says in verse 14, or verse 1 of, verse, of chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Now, you could translate that, stop your heart from being troubled. The way it's, it's worded in the original is their heart is troubled. He's talking about leaving. He's talking about dying. And they're thinking, the one that we've been serving and learning from the last three years of our life is leaving us. Does that mean we're left behind forever? Does that mean our life is in vain? Does that mean that somehow there's a failure? Let not your heart be troubled. Stop your heart from being troubled. Yes, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving for long. I'm going to come back again. The word for trouble is to be afraid. It's used of the troubling of the waters in John chapter 5 and verse 4. It's used of people that were, that were, false teachers were trying to agitate their hearts by false teaching, Acts 15. It is used of literal troubles that are come upon the earth when Jesus talked about 
the end times, Mark 13.8. There are going to be troublesome times that would tempt us to be agitated. False teaching, wars, persecution. But the Lord tells us we are not to allow our hearts to become agitated. And if they are, to, He wants to like he, calm the troubled, agitated sea. Isn't that a picture of Him calming our troubled hearts? Maybe this morning you're in this very condition. Your heart is troubled. Troubled over some tragedy. Troubled over some loss. Troubled over uh, some situation. The Lord is here to calm the waters. To calm the waters. People's hearts would be troubled if there was no heaven. That would be a reason for our hearts to be troubled. Wouldn't that be a tragedy if there was no heaven? If we're like the beasts that perish and we're no more after we die. We close our eyes and it's all over. My heart would be troubled if that were the case. The thought of not going to heaven is troublesome. And maybe that's what's on their hearts. You're leaving and you're going, but what about us? How do we know we're going there? How do we know that, that the way? He's already told them many times about eternal life and everlasting life, but like all of us, we need to be reminded over and over and over again that Jesus is Lord. That there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. That this is not it. This is not it. This isn't heaven for sure. And it's not hell for sure. Someone said to Dan that hell is here. And he pointed to a water fountain and he said, it can't be hell because you can't even get a, drip of, a drop of water in hell. But often our hearts are afraid. Our, our sins trouble us. But let us remember that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unfriendliness in the world is troublesome, isn't it? You know, in heaven we're not going to have nasty looks and we're not going to worry about looking at people in the eye and wondering if they're going to rob us. We're not going to have to worry about hatred. We won't be able to hate anymore. And I think I've told you about the fact that, that one of the ways that, that the Lord was hated clearly was the fact that He was spit in the face. Have you ever been spat in the face? I've been spit on three times in the face. And two of them were my fault. One was at the Syracuse Zoo. And you know, in the old days when I was a young kid, and you can remember this if you're old enough, that there, weren't, there wasn't plexiglass between you and the animal. There were just bars. And there was enough room for spittle to make its way through. And you know, there's always a sign in the, in, the, in the zoo that says, don't tease the animals. Well, I came up to the 
the monkey cages. And you know how it was that there's an outside part and you can see the monkeys outside and then you go in a building and the inside part is really smelly because there weren't any there wasn't plexiglass and there was they were eating shelled peanuts and uh, it, was go, it was all over the place and I did what I sh- shouldn't have done I did this to the monkey there was a monkey that was swinging on a swing it's funny how you remember this but he was a good distance away I would say he's about he's about where Billy is right now but he's up in the air on a swing and I did this and I don't know how he did it but his spit went right through between the bars and right here right here and dripped down and you know no matter how much you clean yourself I smelled that I smelled shelled peanuts the rest of the day until I really got a washcloth on it at night the second time was I was two months saved it was January 1979 and I was, in those days, I watched the Super Bowl on Sunday. And it was Pittsburgh against Dallas, and I was rooting for Dallas. And I was only an hour at West Virginia University from Pittsburgh, and so all the fans were in the dorms were for the Steelers. And I had a friend at church, at Faith Baptist Church, that had an apartment. And he said, you can come down downtown and watch the game, and, but at about 6.30 we're going to church, and I'll take you there. And I said, Fair, fair enough. So I'm sitting next to his unsaved roommate. Matt had no interest in, in, in football. And, of course, they were losing, but the game was only at, in those days in the third quarter, about 6.30. And so Matt comes over and says, Phil, it's time to go to church. And guess what I said? I said, Matt, I really want to watch the rest of the game. And they lost anyway. And I started hitchhiking home. Did they have a ride? It was about five miles away. And you know how when you hitchhike, they drive past you and then you run and catch up with the vehicle. Normally, anyway. And as I ran to catch up with the vehicle, I reached for the back door and reached for the handle. And, of course, in those days, you, had the, you only had the roll-down windows. And the man in the front passenger side and behind it both rolled down their windows and both of them spit and got me right in the face. And they'd been drinking beer and it was horrible. And they sped off laughing. And you know what? I knew the Lord rebuked me. Because when I told Matt I wasn't going to church, his whole countenance dropped. I discouraged that brother in the Lord. And you know, I thanked the Lord. I, I walked home. I didn't resume hitchhiking. I walked the whole way and I thank God for rebuking me. I learned the truth. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God has a way of, of rebuking His children. But the third time was we were preaching outside Boston Hotel many years ago and the owner came out and point blank spit at me right in the face. We were just trying to reach souls. But you won't have any of that in heaven. We won't sin in heaven. and We won't have any enemies in heaven. There won't be any unbelievers there. Let not your heart be agitated. He says, secondly, heaven's invitation. The authorized version says, You believe in God, believe also in me. 
it's interesting how in the original they're both they both can be the way it's worded you could you could translate them both as imperatives or both as indicatives in other words the way they translated they translated the first one as an indicative you believe in god and the second is an imperative, believe also in me. But they're both, they're both. if you looked at the word, it, they both could be translated indicatives. You believe in God, uh, you believe in me. Or you could translate it, believe in God, believe also in me. But the Lord is not saying here that his that belief in Jesus is additional to belief in God. He's simply saying that we're one and the same. We're equal. But what he's saying is your faith is is the is the means is the is is uh, the means of grace. Or your your faith is the access to God. By faith you stand. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. In other words, he's saying it's not your works. Are you not believing in God and believing in me? That is the key. Let not your heart be agitated if you believe in the Lord as your God and your Savior. You don't have any reason to be disturbed because faith in God and in Christ is the way of salvation. And interestingly, this does not teach between the lines the deity of Christ. Believe in God. Believe in me. They are one and the same. The Father and the Son. So this is teaching that it's by faith that a person is converted. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And it is believing on Jesus as the Son of God. Are you trusting in the Lord for your salvation? Are you trusting in the Lord that He died for your sins? Then there's no reason for agitation. That is heaven's invitation by faith alone, in Christ alone, that we have salvation. It's not by any works that you and I can do. Not one iota of works. It's His work alone that saves us. Our works are consequential to salvation. They're the reaction to salvation. They're the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. Jesus' work is the root of salvation. He also gives us heaven's reality or heaven's description. How attractive. He says, in my Father's house. He calls heaven God's house. That's... That's so inviting, isn't it? A home, a house is a place that is inviting, a place where people can find rest and comfort and friendship. In my father's house are many mansions. No, when we when we when we think of the word mansion, we think of some huge building, huge house, and there they may be. But the word simply comes from the word to abide, to remain. So you translate that, in my Father's house are many abiding places, many permanent places. In other words, he's saying to them, 
Heaven is permanent. Heaven is not temporary. We get the word mons from this word mansions. That we call normally the preacher's home a mons, but monastery comes from this word too. And the point is that it's a parsonage, it's a, mon- it's a place where the preacher resides and finds rest and, and, and comfort and was able to invite folks and, have, and show friendship. It's an abiding place. What a comfort that God is, God, that heaven is a, is a place with dwellings. It's also called glory in the Scriptures. Abraham's bosom, eternal life. But it's called heaven most of all. I came down from heaven, Jesus said. Heaven is my throne. Jesus will descend from heaven at His second coming. Jesus went into heaven itself, Hebrews tells us, and sat down. And it's also, verse 6, notice, it's called, to my Father. It's being in the Father's presence. So don't be alarmed at the truth. of Heaven is to be an unalarming truth for the soul. It's to calm our agitation. It's attractive in nature. It's a restful place. But don't you long for eternal rest? We're often unrestful here. But we need to learn to to live in heaven's atmosphere. And we need to learn to know that Jesus is in the boat with us and we need not worry about the storms. Notice heaven's owner, my Father's house. Heaven is my throne, our Father which art in heaven. He's called the God of heaven who made heaven and earth. God who is in heaven, Ecclesiastes 5. And interestingly, the king of Babylon, who we believe was converted, called God the king of heaven, Daniel 4.37. Heaven is God's house, is God's place, God's creation. And yet we know that, as Solomon said, the heaven of heavens cannot contain Him. I mean, God... To reside in heaven is so condescending. All of the universe doesn't contain the Lord. And yet He made a place called heaven for His finite angels and His finite saints. And He sits there. Isn't that amazing? The infinite God resides in a finite place. It's a literal place. It can be measured. I go to prepare a place. That speaks of a literal, measurable, physical place. Hell is also called a place. The Bible talks about Judas who went to his own place. You see, we have this idea that heaven is just you're, you're, you've got white robes and you've got harps and you're sitting, sitting on, a, on a cloud somewhere. Oh no, it's a literal place. And God dwells there. He's the owner. 
and it's spacious. Do you notice heaven's spaciousness? In my Father's house are a few. A few rooms. So the word mansion, it's the word mane. So you get mons, you get monastery. But it's the word room. In my Father's house are many rooms. Isn't that special? God is generous with His salvation. So there's room and room to spare, in other words. That word many is used of a great multitude that no man could number. And so heaven is a city, the Bible says. It's also called a country, Abraham. It's really heaven and earth. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. We can't imagine that dimension, but I know angels know what it's like to be able to occupy heaven and earth. They're always going up and down on Christ's behest, the spiritual ladder. But they're able to be in heaven at once, and then the next day they're on earth. That must be special to be an angel. That you can just fly from heaven to earth, and earth to heaven. It seems like you and I will have that ability, because He's making a new heaven and a new earth. That'll be special. You know the, how often the people talk about how one day man will be able to live on the moon or visit the moon like you visit the Grand Canyon or the dreams of visiting other planets. I don't think so because we found out pretty clearly that other planets don't have the same perfect atmosphere for human beings like Earth. But can you imagine if it's so? I don't know. He's talking about the new heavens and the new earth. If there are many planets, I'm just getting ahead of myself. But could it be in a new earth for us to enjoy? I think that the dimension is so far above us. But we, we can't even imagine the beauty and the glory and the attractiveness we're going to say, why did we want to hang on so far to earth when this is so glorious and beautiful and we're with the Lord? But you and I know we need to live here long enough in the will of the Lord to prove His grace and to, and to invite others to have the same hope. Oh, the spaciousness of heaven. It's interesting how the tabernacle had just a few rooms. Right? Basically two rooms. But when Solomon built, built the temple, if you, if you read about the temple, there were rooms galore. Rooms right around the whole place in the inside. Plenty of rooms, whether they were for storage or for people to sleep in. We, you know, the various ideas, but there were many rooms. And so we see the enlargement of the idea of where God's present with His people. There's an interesting statement here, heaven's confirmation. Why did Jesus say this? We could we couldn't it just read very intelligently and appropriately. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? 
You notice what he what he says? This is so precious to the soul because the devil wants us to be so in doubt, so disbelieving, deceiving. You will not surely die. You're not going to heaven. There's no heaven. This is it. Go for the gusto. What does Jesus say? If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to that. What does that mean? Well, it means several things. If this was going to be an eternal separation, I would have certainly told you that. Would I have deceived you to give up your life for me if it was only temporary? Am I that mean a prophet? I am a true prophet. I tell you the truth. If it were not so, I would have told you. That is so comforting to the heart. What is he I've told you. It is so. In other words, there's no shadow of a doubt that there's a heaven to gain. He's saying there's not the slightest doubt about it. That's how he... That's what it means. It's a confident assertion given in a negative sense. Jesus, the truthful prophet. Our separation is only temporary. In other words, He was going to leave His disciples and the physical separation was temporary. The spiritual separation was permanent. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always. Our reunion will be permanent. In other words, there's going to be a reunion and it's permanent. Again, my Father's house are abiding places. There's not an oasis. Heaven's not an oasis. Heaven's not a hotel. It's an abiding place. When we go places, we stay in hotels, but you don't stay there very long. It's made to be a temporary place. One hotel we had to stay at, there was a man that was there 30 days because a truck plowed into his house. And he was being put up until the house was repaired. Like that house down there in, in uh, North Boston. It's looking better now. Seems like it was forever. And I was driving by with a bus. and oh, Aren't they ever going to work on that thing? Like that restaurant they're finally starting to do something with it but it seems like it's stalled for another month oh how the lord he anticipates our doubts he knows the devil's wickedness and do you ever without even hearing words have you ever sensed that in your soul there's no heaven you fool There's that attack in our life. People say it. This is it. Thank God this isn't it. Enoch was taken to heaven. So was Elijah. And Jesus ascended to heaven. Stephen looked up and saw heaven open. Heaven's real. 
it's real and we need to live like it's real. We're just a heartbeat away. We're just a, a moment away. A blink of an eye. Heaven's promise, I go to prepare a place for you. That's why I'm going. Jesus said this before His death and before His resurrection and ascension. He was confident of of the success of His death, of the power of the resurrection, and of the, the glory of His ascension. And if that wasn't enough, He repeats it. And if I go, or since I go to prepare a place for you, And so Jesus is saying, I'm going there to prepare a place. A lot of building going on. You know? Or at least a lot of plans because there's a new heaven and a new earth. I don't think we care whether we have a house or a hut or just a tree stump. To be able to be there is just... A wonderful thought, isn't it? And the weather is going to be perfect, so there's no reason for a roof over our heads. You won't have to replace the roof of the, the mansions that the Lord prepares for us in glory. Heaven's promise. He promises that He's gone to prepare a place for you. Again, it's reality. It's a place. Notice, this is a place for you and for you a place. See how he alternates it. A place for you, for you a place. And he calls it to myself, where I am, where I go. And so the the, the thought is, do you and I want heaven just just by itself or do we want Christ? You know, there's a person that, that wrote a book, something like, if Christ is not in heaven, I don't want to be there. If he's in hell, that's where I want to be. I want to be where Jesus is. So often we want heaven for what heaven is. The golden streets and and all the pearls and all the jewels. and Those things are nice, but give me Jesus, that old spiritual said. Give me Jesus. Not all the glitter. Oh, there's going to be a lot of glitter. But that's going to be secondary. I wonder, is that primary for you in this life? Glitter? Coins? Dollar bills? Gold and silver? Let's set our hearts right. Let us be rich toward God. Be rich toward God. He made it all. He made it all. It's knowing God. This is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. And the devil would say, what's life eternal is things, is riches, boats, and, and, and cottages, and everything else. Oh, it's nice to have a boat. It's nice, I'm sure, to have a cottage. And it's nice to have a winter home and a summer home. But that's not what life's all about. The devil's going to lie to you and me to the day we die then. It is what's all about. But how many of the rich have committed suicide when they realize this is what this is not what life's all about? That was one thought that the Lord used to start my heart thinking about eternal things. Sitting 
at a bar stool on Sunnyside in West Virginia, in Morgantown, West Virginia, seeing in those days they could smoke in the bars, and sitting on a bar stool with some friends and looking out of the dance floor and seeing people dancing and, you know, the smoke. You could, hardly, you know, you could see the people, but there was so much smoke. And I remember saying, there's got to be more to life than this. And I got up and didn't even say goodbye and just left the bar and started hitchhiking. This time he didn't spit on me. That would be three months later. But this time it was a believer who preached the gospel to me. Heaven's guide. You know, we just sang Psalm 73. Thou shalt counsel me and, and guide me, and then take me to glory. And Jesus says, Again I am coming and will receive you to myself. Where I am, there ye may be also. The word receive means to welcome. It's used of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration. He was welcoming them. He was, he was escorting them up. It's used at the day when Jesus returns. The one shall be taken and the other left. How often people reverse that and think that the one taken is, the, is, a, is the believer and the one left. Oh, it may be the, way, the word welcome, but it's a, a welcome to hell for those taken. Believers are the ones left. It's used of us receiving Christ, Colossians 2.6. Barnabas taking Mark, welcoming him on the journey. It's used in 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord's Supper, when it says, Paul received instructions from the Lord. I have received that which I, 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 I teach you what I have received from the Lord. Jesus is saying that I will be your guide at every home going, at, at the second coming. You know, we, we read about an angel taking, is it an angel taking Lazarus to Abraham's bosom? And we think about angels. And I said to my father as he was dying, in 2015 I said dad the angels are coming to take you but isn't it really the Lord Jesus is our guide is our escort to glory he stood up for Stephen to receive his soul as it ascended to heaven as his body dropped limp from all the stoning of his enemies and Stephen had the, had the heart of Christ when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lay not this into their charge. And I say that the next thought, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I ponder that so often. And you, and you, and you segregate the way and the truth and the life and there's, there's a lot to what that that separation and those distinct, the distinctness of those words, but I couldn't help but think of heaven's trajectory. Heaven's trajectory. You know, there's a, we don't know the way. How do we know the way? They're like, 
I think they're they're thinking like, okay, tell me tell me the physical nature of this. How does it happen? How's my soul get to heaven? Where is heaven? And and they're thinking of the mechanics, aren't they? And Jesus is simply settling them. Just follow me. I am the way. He is the trajectory of heaven. In other words, following Jesus is the path to heaven. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know the mechanics. How's my soul leave my body? And how's an immaterial soul get to heaven? And how does an immaterial soul interact with people? We, we, We wonder about the disjointedness, but Jesus is saying, look, I am the way. Jesus is the pathway to glory. That's all we need to know, and not the mechanics. I am the way. That's the direction. The direction is me. The truth about it is me. And the life about it is me. I am. Ego me. I am the Son of God. Believe in me. Believe in God. Follow me. I'll take you to heaven. That's the trajectory. That's all we need to know. Heaven's entrance in essence. No one comes to the Father but or except by me. And we say, Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? Heaven is simply being with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then toward the end of the chapter, heaven's reminder-er. You see that? It's the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity is involved. The Father, the Son. Verse 25, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name. You see the Trinity, the Spirit, the Father, and Jesus. The Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I'd like to think that the message today is because the Spirit brought it to remembrance. He brought it to mind. He wants this subject that Jesus taught on in John 14 to be reminded, to be brought up again and again and again because we are so unbelieving believers. Because our hearts get so agitated so easily. Because there's a devil and his minions that whisper in our ears that there's no heaven to gain and no hell to shun, and to live the way we want to live in this world. But the Spirit continues to remind us of the doctrines of Jesus, the doctrines of God's Word. He will not let us forget that there is a heaven to gain. There is a heaven to gain. Jesus told us so. There is a heaven to gain. He said earlier, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give unto them eternal life. And before that, He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And He said before that, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. We recognize we're poor in spirit. We need the riches of God's grace. And we mourn at the condition of the world that knows not the bliss of salvation and the hope of heaven. And 
exalt in the wickedness of this world. It's very difficult for us, isn't that, to, to, to manage in this world without seeing things that dirty your soul, dirty your mind. Every day we, we, want, we, need, a, we need a shower. We need a shower of God's Word. A shower of the, of the, of the water of the Word. We need a, a, a cleansing in the blood of Jesus. But we go back out there because there are, there are people to, con- to be converted. There are people to grab and take from the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the fire. We feel burned. We feel dirty. But we're out there to reach souls. And every day we plead for the cleansing blood of the Lamb and then go back out again to reach poor souls that have no hope. Thank God for the hope of heaven. Heaven is real. Do you know that hope? Do you know the King of heaven, the Savior of the soul? May you know that blessed hope today. May you trust in Him today, now, and have that hope. Brother and sister, let us hope in the Lord. Let heaven be a great comfort to your soul. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven. Thank you for the hope of glory. It's your house, Father. There are many rooms. Thank you, Lord. You promised us a room. Oh, just for a space. Just a a little space, Lord. We thank You that You're you're a God of grace, abounding grace, more than we could ever ask or think. Lord, I pray we would live with the hope of heaven and that we would plead with souls to turn from the path to hell and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh God, give us a love and boldness that are needed, that that. that that Christians, that we need to be able to reach souls. Forgive us for our cowardice. Forgive us for our worldliness. Forgive our sins. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb. And use us, Lord, to be warning shots to others, to flee from the wrath to come, and to have the hope of eternal life. Jesus, please pray for us. Holy Spirit, keep reminding us May we know the full, whole counsel of God. Let nothing be wanting. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.